Captain's log, star date. On with it. 20. 20. 20. Fucking, I'm going to get these down one day. Um, <laughs> these are the continued voyages of Edson's Mark and Eddie uh, as we uh, trek our way through all of Star Trek, watching it down here in 10 forward and reviewing the crew. After Michael's done with it, he says <laughs> the episode's down. As we talked about, now in the 24th century, when the Freedom of Information Act is just all over the fucking... It's like the Patriot Act in the 21st century, but just... Uh, you know, correct the the right way around. Um, <laughs> how you doing? So, man? Mark, I've been I've been great since we last spoke. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like I say, I've, I've, I I I actually had quite a good five minutes because um, I was I was very angry about the lack of inclusion of Ace the Bat Dog in the Super Pets movie, and I just saw the trailer where he is in it, and I'm happy. But on the downside, it is Kevin Hart. Um, <laughs> is Kevin Hart. Dwayne the Rock Johnson's rider at this point. Like, is it just in his contracts? You must employ Kevin Hart. Uh, I, I, he gets the same. He gets paid the same as the Rock per pound, so he's a lot cheaper <laughs> than the Rock. <laughs> I am. Um, I have uh, several successful friends, of which I <laughs> technically count you among. Sort of. Because you do, you do the admin for this show. Um, <laughs> I and I, and I I have always I have never really I've never really felt like the comedy sidekick. Although that's that's what I guess my role is. But I I've had many people where it's like I would never have made this success, but you brought me along on it for some reason that I can't ascertain. <laughs> but you, I, I I wonder. I think that's probably how Kevin Hart, and I'm sure Kevin Hart's fine with it. Yeah, he got to be in yeah. Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, and he'll get to be, and he'll get to visit the White House when Dwayne is president. He'll get to be <laughs> vice president. <laughs> no, vice president should be Mick Foley or somebody else he tagged with. Uh, <laughs> uh, how is how is your week slash five minutes been uh good i got i got i got a little notification a little news notification because i i got a new phone and i can't figure out how to turn off the google news notifications on it um that we've uh we've unfortunately lost a a crew member um uh, laurel goodwin who was the last surviving credited member of the original star trek pilots cast so if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're aware that the Star Trek, the original series, had a pilot that was then passed on basically for the reason that it has too many women in it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And then, and then in a rare... And that the lead was too good an actor, and they decided to replace it with Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then in a very rare thing for television, it got a second crack at the whip, which ironically was because... Uh, what was her name? Lou? No. Um, Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball was like, I like that this pilot has a lot of women in it. Uh, they got a second crack at it, and that was the 60s. So, uh, Laurel uh, Laurel Goodwin, who played Yeoman J.M. Colt, because back in those days they had different, I guess, different ranks. Ranks. Yeah. Um, she, uh, fortunately. They do, um, something that always makes me laugh. Um, I mean, I've said that the wrong time. That is a great tragedy. Uh, she was, I'm certain, a wonderful person. Um, thank, thank you for for 
whether it, whether you got picked up or not, th- thank you for being part of the machine that gave us Star Trek. Because otherwise, yeah. I'd be doing nothing tonight. Yeah, um, <laughs> me me and Mark would be burning our way through other podcast formats like we did before we came up with the idea of just watching a show we like. <laughs> <laughs> Stay a remarkable amount of time to get to, um, but no, I've been, um, I've been to, um, I've been, in, I was in LA once. I was in Culver City, and um, just walking along, I find myself outside the building with a little plaque on at the wall saying this building was the site of Desilu, the nice. um, the production company. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I walked past, and then suddenly stopped myself and was like, oh, holy fuck! And walked back, and I was like, that's 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 where they decided to make Star Trek. Yeah. Like that's where it started. That's. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say one thing I found funny, like with the yeoman and stuff, was like back in the early days of Star Trek, there was a lot of like they just transplanted like American navy and military stuff over, which is 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 fine to a point. But then you get to things like you've got the USS. There's a there's a, a space station in the original called the Yorktown, yeah, which is named after a, a American naval vessel, Yorktown. But that's named after a, a, a famous military victory they had over the British in the War of Independence. And I just would have liked to have been in the room when like they were pitching that one at Starfleet and there was like no British guys like, there, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> We've not asked to name one the Dresden. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, at least if they'd done it now, they'd be like, yeah, it's named after a song in Hamilton. <laughs> Fair play. The kids, that'll get the kids in. You know, and, 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 and the producers will be like, and, and, and it'll be, yeah, many kids. It, that'll get <laughs> anything, anything in Star Trek related to Hamilton. That'll get you know them. In. You know that demographic that we can't really get. Yeah, nailed it. Because black, black people, black people don't like sci-fi. It's been the prevailing wisdom in uh, in Hollywood for ages. And then you're not going to believe this, Mark. Right? They made uh, a, a science fiction superhero movie with a black cast, and it made a billion dollars because it turns out what black people want to see is movies about fucking black people and not about wealthy white boys and their problems. It's it, it's a bit like um, as as a as a white working class person, uh, I've always I've always I, I I saw a tweet about this that, that really put it in context for me, which is. If you want to get the working class into theatre, maybe what you should do is make theatre more expe- less expensive, rather than what you're doing now, which is constantly making shows about minors. Um, I, 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 I'm I sick and tired of, of seeing musicals where I have to listen to a northern woman sing about how it's her first time in London. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's that way. I mean, I've... Obviously, we are, friendly we, as they are at home. <laughs> we are uniquely qualified as two giant white guys to talk about this. But genuinely, so I I come from Glasgow, and I I didn't really get to see Glasgow's transition into the 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 the, 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 the metropolis uh, the, the metropolitan city that that it has become. I moved to London while that was happening. When I was up here, like I I literally. The, I I knew one black person in in the first twenty three years of my life, um, yeah, and that that was it. I I'd never met anyone else. Then I moved down to London, and I sort of had to be like, "Can I speak to these people? Is that allowed these days?" Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, the the biggest the biggest nerds I know, comic book nerds and all that, yeah. they were 
the black guys, man, you generally like they were super yeah into that stuff because they were just like okay, it's a dude who dresses up all in black and beats up white people. Of course, I'm gonna fucking like that. <laughs> Geek, Geek and Sundry used to have a show called uh, Ask a Black Nerd, yeah. and there was an idea which was when you're already on the like cultural outs, like because you are a minority, you're more likely to gravitate towards like minority entertainment because you're not getting what you want in the mainstream anyway. Like black, if you want to see yeah. read the Black Panther comic, you can read the Black Panther comic. But you wasn't getting a fucking TV show in the fucking eighties. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's the, that simple. And it's like, yeah. And it and it, it is that thing as well where mass media tends to portray nerds as fucking fat white dudes, but now kind of I I obviously for a very good way they they, they are they are kind of realizing that no that's not what nerddom is like mo like not most but I I would say that the nerddom split between the genders is probably about fifty fifty female like I male yeah. female like when i went to see endgame at midnight with all the biggest nerds in london at the bfi imax i i'd say it was an even split yeah 50 50 and and now obviously uh it's it's worked so well that all the white nerds can do is rent a van and and drive it into a lot of people crossing over a bridge because <laughs> what other attention are you going to get <laughs> oh So, apart from start a fucking Star Trek podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, let's talk about this. Is this was a? I genuinely fucking enjoyed this episode. I thought this was a hell of a lot of fun. I thought this was great, and and Laura agreed, and I was like, this is. It, it's not season three good. No, but. This is series one top. I had this not, on. Maybe not the Emma top was... episode, but it's in the it's in yeah. that region. Yeah. Emma was sat next to me playing Stardew Valley on her um, uh, laptop, so she wasn't really paying attention. But there was a certain moment in this where she just looked up and went, what did he just say? Um, <laughs> which is a bit of dialogue delivered by Riker that we'll get to, um, which is the reason I'm putting him forward for uh, at least for a promotion. Uh, <laughs> um but yeah, so it's basically the plot of this is they get uh, one of the Federation ships got missing and they turn up and it's an arms dealer planet yep. um, where there's no one alive because they've basically they've made he's made the same they've made the same error that um, uh, Syndrome made in The Incredibles, which is they've made a smart weapon that gets smarter and eventually it turns on you. Um, so yeah, but um, and, and, like, and, and it, that if you haven't. If you're not watching the episodes along with this, if you if you're just listening to this because you're like, Eddie's mate's really funny, and I, I just I just want to get more. I wish he was my mate. You don't. <laughs> you really don't. I'm not like this in the pub. Because I, because I get I get really Drunk clammed him. up and embarrassed because I'm like, what if I don't fucking, what if I don't work. Like, and I think the problem is my own family. Now, to, 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 to be continued from last episode is that I went to my granddad's funeral. So I had to hang out with my family a lot more than I've done in like the last 15 years. And that's when I realised what the family really want. And my mum has been telling me this forever when I've been like, I don't really want to hang out with those people, man, because they don't get me. 
is my family just wants Mark. My family just wants what is Mark like at home? Like just that regular boring guy. My family doesn't want Mark the comedian. But needless to say, after six pints, that's exactly who I was. <laughs> so my cousin and I, I sat down next to her and I was like, So you're a primary school teacher, eh? And she's like she's she's not she's she's not just my first cousin, she's like a double first cousin. Uh, I think I've explained this on the podcast before. Uh, my mum's sister married my dad's brother. It's not incestuous. It work- okay. Get a whiteboard, it works out. So <laughs> Just my- put some loops in the family tree. Exactly, yeah, the yeah, <laughs> loops, yeah. So, so, so she is, um, so she is, genetically, she's similar to a sister. Well, she's not. I asked a biology teacher this one time, um, and he was like, what, do you want to fuck her? And I was like, no, that's weird. Um, but um, he said, no, you, you're not siblings, you're just cousins that have the same genetics, basically. And I was like, well, what's the difference? Can I fuck it? No. Um, <laughs> that's the level of humour that I was getting at, because I was like, you're a primary school teacher, eh? Um, and she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went, at what age do you teach? And she went, I don't know, like primary four? And I went, like primary... F- no, primary three, so I'm like, right, so what's that? That's like, can I, like, eight, nine? She's like, yeah, and I'm like, How many kids' fetishes do you think you have directly, like, been? <laughs> like, how 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 many? Because you because your kids are coming into like their sexual bloom. How many? Like, how many kids do you teach? About thirty. How many of those kids now have a sexual fetish that can be directly attributed back to you? And she didn't speak to me for the rest of the night. <laughs> I thought you were going to go full compare mode. Be like, oh, you're a teacher? Yeah, well, what's your favourite kid? That's essentially what I did. But I went real dark on it. Because I was like, these people know me. It's fine. They won't mind the fucking weird questions. But clearly they don't. They remember the Mark who left Glasgow in 2013. And when I was waving away, I was like, I don't know any black people. Um... But what they now have is the Mark who has spent nine years stewing uh, in London and is now, because because of lockdown, I don't really understand how because how to interact with other people because during lockdown, my job was to essentially be the MC of a thing that I was doing. So for two years, yeah. that's the only real human interaction I have. I don't know how to interact with people on a level that isn't just being a comedy MC. <laughs> so I, uh, like, I'll go and hang out with my mum who, uh, and I'll be like what's your job <laughs> what's your name where are you from what's your favourite bus <laughs> yeah exactly uh, what's, your, what's your least favourite bus route uh, uh, the 77 because it comes almost all the way to my house but not quite I used to hate the 78 yeah because um it had the Routemaster buses, but the double doors at the back were sealed off. Oh, oh, I was like, why tease me like that? Yeah, uh, that's disgraceful. Anyway. Anyway. Star so, Trek. We're Star Trek. 10 forward. Um, Guy, wait, a- wait, are we, I mean, I, cause I, cause I feel like we're still, in the, we're still in the place where we can, we don't have to really get immersive in this. <laughs> we, we can discuss it, and that's why, I guess like Star Trek, the, the, the show... Anyone yeah. in the future who listens to this, we can be like, start at season two because that's when we really got it down. That's when we really <laughs> found the voice and like how this whole thing works. 
So now we can yeah. discuss it honestly. I mean, Guinan's not running ten forward yet because that hasn't canonically happened in the show, right? Yeah, or she's here and Picard's just never said hello to her. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have jobs? Picard's seen that name and it's like Guinan can't be the same one. There's loads of Guinans. Uh, like, Guinan Johnson, like. Maybe in the future, like Guinan's like being called like Muhammad. Like it's just it's the most common name in the galaxy. <laughs> what is your job on the Enterprise? Uh, I think I'm in engineering. Uh, I think. I mean, according to our like our, our, our art, I'm in science, so probably saying like sciencey. You're. I'm a Borg. You're a Borg, so you're a you, you're doing Borg shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you asked you 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 text me. You said, "What species do you want to be in the art?" Yeah, I made myself I said, Bajoran. <laughs> yeah, um, which is weird because I should be a Bajoran because I have I have a lot of piercings. <laughs> I mean, so the Bo- so do the Borg. The Borg have the most piercings. It could be argued. <laughs> <laughs> I think I guess I I think I'd be in science. Yeah, but no, I, so. I no, I don't think I would be. I think I'd be like an instructor. I think I'd be like an art instructor, but just on the holodeck for children. I think I'd be. I don't know. I'd be. Let's 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 think of a weird thing. Uh, spacey archaeology. That's right. got to exist, right? We find a dead planet. I'm the guy they beam down to, like, like sand off some ruins and be like, oh, we shouldn't be here. They all died of a horrible disease. <laughs> I, my we should know is, that before we came down. I explain <laughs> how. To, no, do you know what my job is? Because this is quite close to what my job is in real life. Uh, I explain to people how the holodeck works, but just <laughs> with like a lot of excitement because I because I'm genuinely quite interested in how the holodeck you works. Could, you could have your same job. You could just do Harry Potter walking. <laughs> yeah, Harry Potter walking to us. <laughs> holodeck walking to a guy. <laughs> fucking great, right? And I'm an ensign. Fantastic. Uh, I'm no, yeah. I've decided what my job is. I'm actually um, uh, Riker's stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> Jobby's like, hey, Commander, what have you done with your beard? And your hair? How bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, back to, back to the episode. <laughs> um, the, the, the plot is that Drake has gone missing. Uh, and uh, Riker knows the captain. Because yeah. uh, they went to school together. Uh, they were in Starfleet together. But Riker's just a first mate. Not a captain. But apparently he was offered captaincy of the drake but he thought being first mate on the flagship was a better gig don't disagree don't yeah not um there's no survivors on the planet um but they get like a recorded message and it takes picard an embarrassingly long amount of time to work out it's a recorded message (laughs) he keeps trying to talk back to it he's like oh hello it's nice welcome to such and such figure this are you weapon so um another thing that we learn about uh paul that was his name? Paul Rice. Paul Rice, Paul Rice right. yeah. So, Which Rice... is a wonderfully convincing sounding, definitely made up name. <laughs> They're all made up. Um, so Paul Rice, uh, Riker talks about him and he says, we had a an exam and it was like a sort of captain's exam. Yeah. And uh, we were given two possible outcomes I can't remember if it was two or three. No, it was three. We were given three possible outcomes, and Paul just decided that he could figure it out a different way. So he wrote in a fourth possible outcome, and uh, he and he and he nailed it. And, and so now there are four possible answers on that test. And I've actually written that's actually how the Kobayashi Maru works now. 
yeah. according there to William a... Shatner. So, <laughs> uh, for, yeah. any, for anyone listening to this who doesn't know what the Kobayashi Maru, strap in, because <laughs> I don't think there is a single Star Trek fan on the planet who wouldn't want a layman to come up to them and say, <laughs> can you explain you what the Kobayashi Maru is? <laughs> yeah. 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 I actually, in my everyday language, I will every now and again, if it's something as a catch-22, I'm like, oh, it's a real Kobayashi Maru, that is. And you're just hoping somebody's going to go, what's, what's a Kobayashi, Kobayashi Maru? And you, oh, you go, oh, okay. Stop it. So the Kobayashi <laughs> Maru is it's, the, it's, a, it's a test that's given to people at Starfleet Academy. Uh, which is the unwinnable scenario. If you saw Star Trek 2009, or if you saw The Wrath of Khan, you've seen it. Basically, there's a stranded ship in the neutral zone, uh, you can't beam everyone off, and if you go into the neutral zone to get them, the Romulans or the Klingons or whoever is the baddie at the time will attack you and will take it as a declaration of war. If you leave them, they die. The idea is, supposedly, to show to you that sometimes a captain will be involved in an unwinnable situation and it's just about how you deal with it, right? Kirk is the first person in Star Trek history to ever beat it because he <laughs> cheats. Yeah. And that's like a huge plot point in the Abrams movie. Um, yeah. But uh, Shatner then wrote a novel that was just the Kobayashi Maru and it was about how after Kirk cheated, Starfleet Academy decided we can use this in a different way, which is we'll put the captains, the captain say recruits in the Kobayashi Maru, and we'll encourage them almost to cheat. And yeah. the better that they cheat, the better they will be. Uh, out of the box thinking and yeah, stuff so. like that, but but Mark, and I'm glad we've had this in-depth discussion of the Kobayashi Maru because I feel it's important to for us to agree that apparently the exams for captaincy in Starfleet include the Kobayashi Maru, which I think we've just explained is quite an elaborate and involved thing, and a multiple choice test. <laughs> right? <laughs> I would have assumed that the fucking question and answer portion of the fucking captaincy exam would be essay format (laughs) (laughs) you shouldn't be able to guess your way through fucking some of the questions Uh, (laughs) but yeah they're basically they're setting this guy up as like oh he's like a Kirk he's like a a guy who knows knows everything Um, they arrive at the thing and um, beam down and uh Right, Rice is there, even though there's no sense of light. Um, and Riker starts talking to him, and then gets a thing in his like communicator, where he's like, "Just to let you know, Riker, we can hear you having that conversation, but there's no life signs, so that's obviously not a real person. It's a hologram." And this is the moment where Riker gets uh, put forward for promotion for me, because Riker, uh, the Paul, the the simulation of Paul Rice only knows what information they could get from like a quick scan. So they don't know much what's going on. So he asks Riker about his ship uh, and says, it's um, uh, asks, is, is it the Enterprise? And Riker cracks him and says, no, my ship is the lollipop. It's a good <laughs> ship. <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's all. I put forward for promotion based on that. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Um, yeah. I, it, it's, yeah. It's a, it's a dead, so... As Trek goes, um, I 
again, haven't really seen much of Next Gen. It, I actually yeah. am much better immersed in this bullshit idea that we're peddling, that we're watching <laughs> this week by week, because I genuinely haven't seen a lot of Next Gen. I've seen, like, the important episodes, yeah. but I've certainly never... And, and, and whatever was on when I happened to be hungover, but I've certainly never sat down to watch it with any tenacity. This episode yeah. is, like, absolute 60s trek. Yeah, yeah, it's... It's not asking like a big question. It's just a fun little adventure yeah. with some interesting problems, and it's like it's got the thing we talked about, like when we we're talking about like needing to know what everyone's job is. Yeah, because it's got the thing where uh, Beverly and uh, Picard beam down yeah. to the planet, and then they fall down a hole, very unconvincingly, but they fall down a hole, and then like right, Bever- and it's our oh, Beverly's injured, but she's the Doctor, and they beam even at the end of the episode they beam her back up to sick bay but there'll be no one there to treat her Mark because as we've established she's the only doctor on staff <laughs> and Troy will be like I can do it I'm a counsellor and everyone will <laughs> you don't even have um, any peps Deanna oh this is also um, it, while she's like being injured and stuff um, Picard literally tears her clothes off um <laughs> to make a bandage and then um, Beverly says uh, I must keep conscious which is not to do with shock but to do with the fact that Picard is a rapist uh... hey <laughs> I will I will I will no no I will fucking take the darkest fucking shit on this podcast I have sat down and I'm, and I, and I, and I'm not playing this in a way of I have a black friend I have sat down with a Jewish mate of mine, and I'm like, on as a comedian, how dark on the fucking Holocaust can I get so long as you always recognise that it's a joke? And he went, great. He says, just don't use the K word. And I went, I wouldn't do that. That's 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 fucking that's 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 shit. Yeah. I will never fucking let you describe Cap Picard as a rapist. <laughs> Batman, he is he is the best of us, sir. He is he is the captain for a fucking reason. He is he's and, not only the best, he is the best captain. And why then? Why is Beverly so so terrified of falling no, asleep? No, don't get me wrong. He did let Beverly Crusher's husband die so that he could shag her. But that's but not right. I have looked up the word rape in a dictionary many times. I. That's not coming to. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, one thing I do want to bring up, um, leaving, moving away from Picard's notions of consent. Um, <laughs> he, I'm just saying, he doesn't obey the Prime Directive, <laughs> which is don't rape people. Um, <laughs> um, so. Right, this is a planet where they're selling a weapon system, right, Mark? Um, and the weapon system here is like little drones that come out and shoot lasers at you. Okay? They're shit. Yeah, they're awful. They've got no aim. They've got stormtrooper aim. Yeah, and at multiple points, like there's like they they get like it gets stopped because they can't hit Tasha because she's crouching behind the bush. This <laughs> <laughs> wiped out an entire species of people. Um, as we have shit. established as well. Riker is the tallest man in Starfleet. Yeah, that's why he can't sit down, (laughs) and they constantly miss him. But I, but 
are pop-up ads still a thing in the 24th century? I said, this is Planet Pop-Up. This yeah. whole thing is a pop-up that attacks you. <laughs> and I, because it's just an arms dealer giving his wares and talking about how great his weapons are, but, but then they cut away from it pretty quickly. Had they kept watching, do you think it that it would have been like a car commercial you know do you, do you ever watch do you watch you, you're an American football fan right yes yes I am do you ever watch the US streams of the Super Bowl uh, yes yes right so you know cause I love watching them right I because I, I, if you watch it on BBC what you get you get is, analysis you get analysis I'm going to shit with that I, I, I know how to play football it's what they're doing Right, I don't give a fuck <laughs> what anyone else has to say about what they're doing. I don't care. So I want to watch the fucking local St. Louis feed because people pay a lot of money, their local car dealerships, to be yeah. on the Super Bowl. And I just wanted to know, had they watched it long enough, would they have got those big wavy floppy arm things? This is one of those things that it's it's a thing that would have been done it's one of those rare occasions where I can point at something in an episode of Star Trek and go, the Orville would have done this better. Because yeah. the Orville version, he would have been like, come down to Crazy Eddie's Weapons Emporium. Because <laughs> uh, I'm overstocked yeah. on weapons and wacky arm-waving inflatable tube men. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's, so yeah, it's a pop-up ad, isn't it? Because it just pop, like, it pops up and he starts going, come, come, come here and buy my weapons. And apparently their entire sales pitch is that... Okay, so I can't work this out because this is baffling to me. They attack you and it proves their weapons are good. But my weapons... If I'm in the market for good weapons, it's because my weapons aren't as good as the weapons I'm going to buy. <laughs> so their weapon's going to kill me and then I can't buy their weapon. Now, to be fair, as it's nice for... <laughs> Mutually assured destruction. Isn't this the fucking <laughs> the advertising campaign for nuclear weapons? <laughs> yeah. We'll fuck you up. We will destroy your entire fucking race. They they but. literally use the line "peace through superior firepower." Yeah. Which is, I think, was was that I I think is a quote from I believe uh, like some American president Washington. Uh, uh, <laughs> just Ted, about Ted, that giant Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Uh, what is it? Speak softly, but carry a big stick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or a gun is better than a stick. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how loud uh, you speak. Holy shit! <laughs> I uh, I got into a bit of a Teddy Roosevelt uh, hole the other day because I because um, I I always thought of him as like because he's like a bit of a Republican icon, and he's yeah. like a total man's man and all that shit. And I was like, I'm not really into that. Whatever, man. Robin Williams plays him and whatever. But then I watched the uh, Newsies, the musical Newsies, which yeah. is real good. Um, <laughs> and he's a character in it. And I looked him up, and I was like, "This guy's incredible." Um, yeah. He's super pro union, and he's like all about conservation of the land and blah blah. He wasn't blah, even blah. a Republican. I think he was the Bull Moose Party. Like no, he, he was a Republican, but it was back when Republicans were not evil. <laughs> um, yeah, he was one of them. He was a good one. Um, but uh, but but I'm I'm totally on board with that. But no, I I I kind of like I understand that like like because the thing about advertising is you always have to find the most interesting way to advertise things. And, <laughs> and you think and it's be killing like, people? If you if you if you are in the business of a planet killing weapon, yeah. what is a better way to advertise your stuff than to kill a planet? 
<laughs> That's a fair point. Because, like, I mean, who, like, because in Star Wars, do we, do we, are we allowed to talk about Star Wars on this podcast? Uh, I think the logic would be that Star Trek is set in the future of our civilization. So the yeah. movie, the Star Wars movies must exist. Right. So the Trade Federation go to the, the Geonosians who sell them the Death Star because we see in episode two that little critter thing that's like, here's the thing that we're building for you. The little Death Star thing. Like, surely if the best way to sell a Death Star is to be like, how do you feel about Alderaan? <laughs> <laughs> did I ever tell you, by the way? I, um, did, you, I, did you ever do the secret cinema Star Wars? Uh, I didn't, no, no. I did it, and because my best friend was banging a producer, um, I uh, this is what I, this is a continuation again of what I was talking about, either at the start of this episode or last episode. Uh, we got press night tickets, so it was when the staff still gave a shit, which made it real good. Um, there was a bit where, so the, the idea of Secret Cinema, if you don't know, is you go to an immersive event where you live in the world of the movie, and, and it's like they spare no expense. Like it, it's 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 incredible. Like for Back to the Future, they built Hill Valley, and and like you yeah, they built the, the town square. It's wonderful, right? It's it's an It's it's so worth the money. Disney own it now, so probably don't bother. Um, but back in the day, if you can travel back in time, it was incredibly worth the money. With Star Wars, what they did was their movie was The Empire Strikes Back. But what you did before you watched it is you lived a new hope. Oh! And so we were on Tatooine, and we got to learn Jedi powers, and then we got translated onto the Death Star. And uh, my friend Jamie and I, uh, we learned Jedi Force powers. Uh, so we 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 force minded to stormtroopers to take us to Princess Leia's cell because we convinced them that we were her lawyers. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we were sitting in the bar at one point in the canteen and we were just taking a couple of cans we were talking to this couple who whatever, randos, right? We saw a stormtrooper walk in and slam his helmet down on the table and I was like, Jamie, this, let's go and find out what this guy's all about. So we went over and we were like, "What? what are you alright man? What happened? Because you have to live in character, like it's, it, it's what makes it. Uh, what happened? And he went, oh my god he says, I, I, I joined the Empire thoughts of freedom and, 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 and righteousness and my god they, they they just fucking they just blew up my home planet and I went what Alderaan? and he went yeah and I went I went to university on Alderaan and he fucking <laughs> the, 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 the actor started pissing his soul <laughs> and he had to walk off um have you seen the um, that thing about um, uh, what happened to Tom Morello when he took his kids to the uh, the, the Star Wars uh, um, uh, Star Wars Disney? No, the, the, um, he went into like the uh, the cantina, yeah. uh, and somebody working there, one of like the cast members, recognised him as being Tom Morello, <laughs> and they walked over to him and like slipped something into his hand. It was like, it's not often we have a rebel general in here, sir. Nice to meet you, and saluted him and walked away. And it's just like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the correct response to Tom Morello. Tom Morello. Yeah. yeah, that's hardcore. That's good. Uh, yeah, oh. good times. Uh, uh, if you do get the opportunity, by the way, if you do get the opportunity to go uh, to Disneyland uh, and go in the Star Wars section, um, Mark, Mark, 
that I, I have a photo of me sat at the little table in the Millennium Falcon where you can play holographic monster fighting. Um, and I, I have never looked happier than I look in that picture. <laughs> like, I, can, I, I fucking hate girl... that it exists. I fucking hate that it's Disneyland. I fucking yeah. hate everything about it. It's fucking capitalist fucking nonsense. And I swear to God, I will never, they will, I will never have been happier. <laughs> it, it annoys yeah. me how happy I will be. Yeah, I was like walking in going like, oh, this is... It's, it's so obviously corporate. It's so over like done. I believe. And then you walk around the corner. And it's like, oh, I can buy a droid. I can buy it. And you can build your own astromech droids there. You know that thing as well that they're doing now, which is like a hotel. It's yeah. like the Galaxy's Edge hotel, and you stay there for two nights, and it costs five grand. But while you are at that hotel, you live an entire Star Wars experience, and you get a character, and there's shows, and there's things that happen. Like little skits that happen over the two days, and you can live an entire Star Wars story. I would fucking do that. I if GameStop takes off, I I, you, I will. I you, I'll do it. I I will give you, that money to Disney, and I'll be fucking sad about every penny that I give to them, man. And I and it, and and it, and, it, and it will be when 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 I turn it. We've all we've decided that Laura dies first. So when I turn around to our children on. Uh, my deathbed and they're like what is your greatest achievement is it is it me charlotte o'neill charlotte chuck o'neill who got the 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 nobel peace prize or will it be flo at florence flo o'neill who is the the record holder for the for the most best actresses uh or the, or the most uh, academy award nominations for editing i'll be like one time I paid disney five grand to let me live <laughs> star wars for two days <laughs> and it was the it- best I'm out. <laughs> if you if you if you if you really really love us as a podcast, um, feel free to back us on Patreon at the five grand a month send Mark and Eddie to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pay the flights. We'll take because we're for, in working class solidarity. We'll take care of the flights. Yeah, and, we and we'll stay in very... a single we'll stay in a single room in a single bed. And we will go to the Star Wars cantina, and whilst we're there, we will record an episode of our Star Trek podcast. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm tempted to go in costume as fucking Star Trek. <laughs> like, huh? Huh? Where am I? What, what the fuck's this? Um, there's a holodeck malfunction, Mark. <laughs> um, fucking, we need to talk about this episode. Yeah, sorry, um, yeah, 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 Grant. Okay, right, Mark. Beverly mentions her grandmother in this episode. Yeah. That's all I have to say on that. We will learn more about Beverly's grandmother in uh, Series 7. And I cannot wait for how angry you are going to be at the episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look nothing up. I, I will say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I got reminded it existed the other day. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for that. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, so they be, the whole thing is that the main, most of the bridge crew are on the planet. Geordie's on the Enterprise. And there's another, like, weapon that's attacking the Enterprise, but it keeps going invisible, so they can't get a fix on it. So he's got to work out what to do. And he's with Ensign Solus and Ensign Sue, who we've never encountered before. Who were just doing Geordie and uh, Data's jobs? Ensign Sue, by the way, her name is spelled T S U, which is 
which means that yeah. she's Picard's favourite ensign. Boss name is Sun. <laughs> That's why she's allowed to drive. Yeah. Despite being a woman. <laughs> That's, the worst. That's the worst thing we've ever I've ever said. Um no, yeah, um but Ensign Sue's my MVP. Uh she comes out of nowhere. Um and oh yeah, I was gonna say, so the last episode we had a wharf speech, and this one we get a Geordie speech. Yeah. And we still not had a proper Picard speech. I so Ensign Sue is your MVP. I acknowledge that. Okay. And I hate to say it, my MVP is Jordy. I think Why do you hate to say it? Because you hate the, the blind. Because <laughs> I hate the blind. I hate, I hate it when disabled people... Because he obviously only got that job because he was blind. Um, I I think he rises to the role of captain quite spectacularly. Because yeah. he has he to... Because something that we're not talking about, again, if you're not watching the episodes, uh, the, the conflict that Jordy has to put up with is that the chief engineer outranks him yeah. But Picard has specifically left him and left him in command. So the chief engineer, who's the creepy-looking guy, if you if you're a fan of Buffy, Angel, Mother Shiro, anything that came out in the late nineties, think about the creepy-looking actor. It's him. It's that guy. Yeah. Um, the guy. He he looks like he's. He, he looks like you've somebody has tried to draw a classically handsome individual from memory. Yeah, and it's just a little off. If you were, uh, if he was your mate, and you were like, he's, I'm sure he's a cool guy. I'm sure he's a nice because he's not famous enough yeah. to be an asshole. If he's yeah. in your friend group, you're like, he is the best looking guy in this friendship group. But he's a weird looking dude, creepy looking guy, and that's the role he always gets. So he comes yeah. to the bridge and gives Jordy grief because he outranks Jordy. And why is Jordy in charge? Jordy says, well, Picard left me in charge. Captain Picard. Also, Jordy just is like, well, I can use the ready room now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, okay. Um, I'm going to throw this out as well. We need to talk about it. Fucking Troy is genuinely useful. She gets promoted in this episode. I'm giving her a promotion. Yeah. Because um, what she does is she's talking to Geordie who's dealing with his own conflict and like takes him to one side and is like, just to let you know, the two ensigns you've got on comms and ops, I think those are the stations. Navigation um, and... Yeah, steering. Yeah. yeah. Um, they are nervous and worried um, because this is the, the first very high-stress situation they've been put in. This isn't their normal roles. They're low-ranking guys, so they're a little bit concerned. But they draw their strength from you, so you need to project leadership um, and take into account their emotional state in order to do it. And it's like, this is information that Troy like, ha- has access to that Geordie doesn't. She conveys it to him in an actually useful way and gives him advice on what he needs to do with that information to make the ship operate better. This is if this is what Troy should have been oh, through all of next gen. She is a strong argument. Because the it. thing is, as you say, she can see it and Jordy can't. Because when Jordy looks at their faces, all he sees are the stunt doubles who can't act <laughs> as well as they can. So, I yeah, that, yeah, my MVP is a real toss-up between Jordy and Troy on this one. You you yeah. really sold Troy to me. No, you are right. Cause, and she, she gives him that real pep talk, which he immediately, he never questions it. He never says, well, nonsense. He takes it on board and immediately thinks... 
but yeah, that's what Picard did for me. Like, obviously, I'm gonna pay that forward because a big part of this episode is that he calls the chief engineer Logan, I think it is, back up to the bridge and says, "I am going to relinquish command to you of the saucer section." Yeah. So we're going to separate the saucer and the battle bridge. So the saucer flies to safety. And Jordy then takes a small crew back to the planet to rescue the uh, yeah. the away team. And I, yeah. I and Jordy Jordy is a, a great captain. Like he's very, um, very positive. He's very good at encouraging, but he knows what he wants and he knows how to get it. Yeah, and it's it's because he's um, it's it's not into the into the character now, but because he's got the engineering science background. He's very keenly aware of the exact limitations of what the ship can and can't do. Yeah. So he can like plan. Here's the deal: we can drop the shields for, like, we can wait until it shoots at us. The thing we know how long it shoots for. We know how long it seems to take to recharge. So the minute it stops shooting us, we can drop the shields, beam everybody up, and then turn the shields back on. Uh, and we've got enough time. And he works out exactly what to do, and then gives the proper. But we've got one job. You've got to focus on it. You got to nail it. And it's yeah, it's fucking. Really, I really, really like it. I also like when he gets back that Picard does the whole, well, um, like he tries to give command back, and Picard's like, "I left you in charge of a full vessel." Yeah, uh, I, uh, I enjoyed yeah. that a lot. That brought a big smile yeah. to my face. It's like, go put the ship back together, and then I will retake command. I like that. It's quite nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I've also got that's that's that proper is. captaining as well. Yeah. That's that's very very good. It's very informal, but but. I trust you. Yeah, you have earned enough of my trust that I'm fine with you being in charge of this vessel until for a little while longer, even though I'm here. Because frankly, I've had a stressful day and I'll go have a wank. Um, <laughs> I've done some terrible got... first aid, which is why I'm putting down Picard for discipline this episode. <laughs> because are you trying to tell me that at no point when you were learning Sun Tzu, you got to the first aid page of? If someone has what they, I suspected spinal cord injury, don't pick them up by the back. Um, I'm going to throw this out there, okay? Right. Beverly like looks at some roots and is like, oh, can you break those off and rub them on your skin? Does it go brown? Oh, okay, that it means you can put it in my wound um, uh, and it will be fine. I'm going to call... This is the first a... time that Beverly says you can put that in my wound to pick up. <laughs> Right. Does it Tom Brown? It definitely goes in my wound. <laughs> but there's no way she could possibly. I'm calling all of the bullshit on this because yeah, even if we accept, oh, like all, all, like, what if on this planet the roots of that plant are home to a horrifying parasite that eats human flesh? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> like we know that all class M planets aren't the same. Because when we went to the planet where the women were in charge and everything was terrible, um, there's just no platinum there. Yeah. So all so just because it's a a class M planet just means it's inhabitable. It doesn't yeah, it mean it it's... has the same built makeup. Yeah, it's got a breathable atmosphere. Yeah. That's it. So these might be alive. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. It's absolute horseshit. Just Beverly chatting shite. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> her fucking leg was sore. Oh, well, she, well, like, she tells like, Picard about... She, 
she tells Picard about one wound, and then later she's like, oh, you're doing fine. And he's like, no, I'm not doing fine. I'm still bleeding heavily from my leg. And it's like, couldn't you have mentioned this like, <laughs> when you were giving your fucking only other person in the room? Uh, fucking, and, uh, yeah, um, I, I've got down as well. I want to bring this up because I think we're coming out of season one. I think we might be seeing an end of this. This is uh, another uh, single, I've got a, a single color sky planet. Yeah. Where, where it's, it's just a blue sky. Um, and <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of these in uh, season one, and I hope we're seeing the end of them. It's just it, it's one of those moments where it's, like, it's just weird to think like I don't think of technology as having progressed that much, but like even now that would be like a green screen and they'd slap a fucking CGI Comedy, yeah. sky on there, yeah, and it'd just be better. But yeah, um, I, I, I want to talk about. But, how still, but this is still. This yeah. episode is still fucking better than any planet that they go to in Discovery because this planet has characters on it and <laughs> issues that I give a shit about. Oh, if we ever get to Discovery. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we will discover that we're not doing it. Yeah. Um Just like do you know what? Don't 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 put this don't put this in the fucking comic. We're not doing Picard because Picard can fuck off. Season two's got Q. I know, but I'm sure it's best. <laughs> if Picard season two is fine, is or is good, we'll do that. But we ain't doing Picard season one. Picard season one can suck a dick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what we'll do is is uh, I'll do this. If ever we get above a certain amount on Patreon, which we'll agree later on, we will do one episode of Picard. <laughs> and they get to choose. And they get to choose. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Um like um I love how they take that how the Forge takes down the um the enemy thing. Like he can't he he can't it can't be seen. It's invisible. So they bring the ship into the atmosphere. That doesn't bother them. So that uh, <laughs> So that it gets like the atmospheric disturbance, they'll be able to pick up on. They can blow it up. That's fucking clever. That was really clever. I really, I, I did not see that coming. And again, neither did Jody. Yeah. But I, I did not <laughs> see that coming. And I was, and I was, and I was like, this is from nineteen eighty, well, I guess eighty eight television. This is yeah. that's cool as fuck. Yeah, that what and... a bang! What an awesome idea. Take it down into the atmosphere so that it starts to drag. And they and they, they, they show it with the inter, the, the, the battle yeah, the like, 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 like it's perfect television writing. It's so good. It's yeah. so clever and it's it's only annoying to me that in any other episode of Star Trek that would be the best bit of captaining. But the best bit of captaining is Picard realising he can stop the weapons demonstration by agreeing to buy the weapon <laughs> is fucking incredible. I <laughs> was gonna ask you this. How long into the episode did you realise that Picard could solve this situation by just agreeing to buy it? Um, I I clocked it more or less immediately. Yeah, but me then too. I, was like, I, don't, I don't know where the panel is. But yeah. what you've got to think, Mark, is from our perspective, that's because we're used to the barter system of economics, yeah, uh, which doesn't exist in Star Trek. He's having to throw his mind back to archaic ideas. He would have... Like if, if, if in this episode, if Picard got an email from a Nigerian prince, he would have been like, "Well, get is there right now? This guy's clearly in trouble." <laughs> yeah, transfer yeah. him a hundred rupees or whatever. I, I imagine in in the future, it's I am a Ferengi nobleman. 
money is tied up in businesses on Bajor since the occupation by Cardassia has ended. <laughs> we are Borg royalty. <laughs> Please send us much money. It will be assimilated into our bank accounts and then you can keep $50 for yourself. Um. <laughs> okay, I have, I have two things I want to bring up about Federation technology in this episode. There was a bit where they think, Beverly Crusher thinks the comms, uh, well, Data and uh, and Tasha, sorry, think their communicators aren't working because a weapon got fired near them. Which can't be how that works, because that's when you need a communicator the most. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you can identify the noise of the kill setting, like Picard. That's fair. <laughs> That's. <laughs> um, there was something else. What was it else? The other thing I had about fucking Federation technology. Ah, oh, it's gone. It's gone. My brain doesn't work. But... <laughs> Do you know what it's um, See, sorry, see, just something to bring up. I just, I just remembered it made me smile. Is that as we've discussed on this podcast before? Um, we're watching. I guess you're watching this on Netflix or or on yeah. the on the canonical. Episodes on ten forward or whatever that bullshit. Yeah, which is weirdly Netflix. This is Netflix. <laughs> um, and and uh, the intro has the skip intro button, which we don't. We no, we don't. We don't skip the intro no. on <laughs> next gen. Uh, but Laura and I watched two together, and in the second episode, <laughs> when the intro came up, I feel like she looked at me with the like. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> if we watch five of these in a day, we watch five hundred. <laughs> I don't understand what you find, what you don't find inspiring about that feature. <laughs> like to, I like to think that, like, there there must be somebody who's worked on the International Space Station who's had that as their alarm. did you see a few years back when alien isolation came out there was like a guy who was like working in like a google data center and he put up a video he put up a picture of him at his workstation and he's just like you know those corridors where the lights turn off so they can like reserve electricity he's like looking down one of them he's got his laptop his computer in front of him and he's got alien isolation on it and he's like this is probably the most terrifying place you can play this game and then (laughs) And then somebody like one up to him because they work at a like salt mine where there's film storage, and they were oh. like, so they put that up and went like, um, uh, this is the most terrifying place you can play this game. And then somebody put up a picture of them running it on their laptop on the International Space Station. This <laughs> 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 is like, this is the most terrifying place you can play Alien Isolation. I'm like, yep, yep, yeah, it is. <laughs> I um I constantly have I I have like a social phobia about um one upping people's stories. Um and it mainly it mainly comes from uh when when people say to me, Oh I'm sad, I've had this thing happen to me. Um I feel my my immediate response I, obviously I'm not a complete fucking android. Like my immediate response is I'm really sorry to hear that. I hope you're okay. But then I will Occasionally, quite often, I'll be like, "This is here's a thing that happened to me," and, and what I mean is, I want you to take this as 
a notification that something similar has happened in my life. I want you to know that this is how I know how to empathise with you and how I know that, that you are where you are emotionally. But I guess a, lo- a lot of people don't. They, they just worry that I'm kind of trying to one-up them or whatever. Or, or yeah. even in happy times, when someone tells me a story that's funny or when someone tells me a story that's happy, I'll do the same thing. I'll be like, oh, I also done this thing. And yeah, I get it, man. It's cool, isn't it? It's fucking, it's, it's a nice thing when, when you get that feeling. Um, if someone were to ever, uh, in any situation, tell me a story that happened to them on in the International Space Station, they get a pass. <laughs> like, like, I don't care if, if I'm like, oh my god, my wife just died, and someone's like, my wife died when I was on the International Space Station. I'm like, <laughs> you get a pass. What is, and you're like, oh, what happened? Oh, I wouldn't let her in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was busy playing Alien Isolation. <laughs> Did they were knocking? In space, no one could hear you knock. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh. Anyway. Um, oh, there's one other thing I want to mention. On. Episode, one tiny thing. Um, when Data finds... Uh, Data, um, Riker and Tasha have been... This was a great Data episode. episode. I just didn't yeah, get that in there. Absolutely great. Uh, Data sees that they're at the bottom of a, a pit. Uh, and he, he jumps down, falls 10 metres, lands is absolutely fine. And there's two situations in this room. There is a computer that is controlling the weapons, and Beverly needs medical attention. And Data decides the best use of his skills is to give medical assistance to Beverly, <laughs> rather than hack the computer system. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all I've got. Love it. But yeah. Yeah. That's a great episode. I great, great, great episode. Absolutely, thoroughly enjoyed it. Doesn't ask yeah. a big question, but it does good Star Trek well. Yeah, yeah. And promotions, yeah. MVPs might be Troy, which is fucking. I, you weird. sold me on it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it might be. Yeah. Anyway, so on that note, uh, because I've I've said that Troy was the best character in an episode of Star Trek, I'm going to be taken to a hospital and have my friend. <laughs> The Captain Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.